I'm Mark Schaefer. And I'm Brad Birkenall. We're two friends fascinated by all things Elvis. Elvis Presley was more than a blue-eyed, handsome man. He was a complex character who remains one of the most beloved entertainment icons in the world. Brad, is there anything that hasn't been said, that hasn't been seen, that hasn't been heard about Elvis Presley? I know there's a lot, because we spend a lot of time talking about it. We sure do, and we figured it was time to invite more people to the party. If you share our burning love for the king of rock and roll, you came to the right place. Welcome to Memphis Flash. Some would say I'm the villain of this here podcast. Bradley, that makes you the hero. And that is very disappointing. Ah, <laughs> uh, Brad, we saw the movie, didn't we? We saw the movie. Finally. We did. We saw it. We saw it together in Memphis. We're right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. We're, this is the for episode 10. This is the first time we've been in the same room together doing this podcast. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. We're happy to be here. You look different in person. You do too. Yeah. You look older. Yeah, you said you. You look kind of tired too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a rough night last night. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> We all did. We did. But we're having fun in Memphis. We are having fun. This movie is incredible. Yeah, I I, I, I loved it. I'll just say right off the bat, I, I love the movie. I can't wait to see it again. I did too. We, uh, we, we saw it at 3.20 p.m. in the daytime. We couldn't wait to see it. The reason we did that was because we thought there wouldn't be a lot of people there. And there wasn't. As we left the movie, which is about two hours and 39 minutes, people were starting to come in. So we, we beat all the traffic. Yeah, I like that. Kind of yeah. had the theater to ourselves a little bit. So there were, there were other people there, but yeah. Oh was, yeah, there were. It was not super busy and that, that was okay. And then we came out of the movie and there were a pair of Elvis-like sunglasses sitting by themselves on a table. Which it was I, so mysterious. Was that amazing. was yeah. kind of like, hmm. I think you wanted to steal them, didn't you? I almost did. You almost but did. I thought, well, they're not mine. They're not yours. I'm not that kind of guy. I wonder if they're I'm still honest. there. They might still be there. They might. I doubt it. I, I doubt it, but I, uh, I did cross my mind. I got it, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that movie, uh, I, I really thought I should see it. Not to be honest, I thought I should see it again before our podcast because there was so much to process yeah, we, in my little brain. So we leave the movie. Uh, we're hanging out and uh, we, we, we were trying to piece together what we had seen. We were trying to pick out certain scenes and, oh, remember this? Remember that? Or wait. Or you remember you things I... Didn't, and yeah. Maybe vice versa, but right? There's there's a lot it's, there, and that two and a half, two hours and thirty nine minutes went really fast. It really did. Might be a good time if you haven't seen the movie. We should tell you there are going to be spoilers on right. this podcast. So, so if you haven't seen seen the movie yet, go see it and come back to us. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we don't want to ruin anything for you. Right. But uh, you know, we can't really talk about it without at least I. I'm not a movie reviewer. I'm not a professional. Right. I'm just you play one on TV. You do you, I do me, right? Right, Brad? exactly. And I just know what I like and what I don't, and that's what I'm, we're going to talk about. Well, and us being the Elvis fans that we are, we like everything to be correct. We do, and uh, and, and uh, you know, you got to go into this movie with the thought: I'm going to see a movie, not a documentary. You yeah. nailed it on the nose. That's how. This is uh, entertainment with some education, and there's a lot of education. But it's not just education. Right. It's it's entertainment and it's very entertaining. The music's wonderful. It's Elvis music interwoven with modern music that I think they did beautifully. It was just the, the movie flows. Again, it's a long movie. It does not seem like a long movie because it flows. It There's not, so much it's, excitement. It's a quick. It's over. I don't know. I felt kind of overwhelmed, overwhelmed uh, of the senses, the mm -hmm. visual. It's visually stunning. Yeah. 
and there's multiple things going on sometimes. So you, you are, you can only concentrate, I can only concentrate right. on one thing at a time. So I, I do want to see it again. And someday when it's out on Blu-ray, I'll be able to sure. pause it. And, yeah. Oh, that was cool. I just can't say enough about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hard to say you've never heard of Elvis, but if you know nothing about him, go see the movie. His life is explained in about two and a half hours perfectly. Yeah. You know, they're taking 42 years and time compressing it. There are liberties taken. There are things that happened. There are things that really didn't happen, but for the, the course of the story and yeah. and maybe what was going on in people's minds. Right. Uh, characters, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, actual people uh, in the movie, obviously. You know, and that's cre- creative license. Is that what that's called? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it is all to tell a story or for impact. The, there's a certain manipulation that goes on that where they they want an audience to feel a certain way about a certain somebody yeah. or a certain thing. And I think, you know, that's what's happening with right. this movie. The movie is about the relationship between Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis Presley. Through the Colonel's eyes. Through the Colonel's eyes. I thought it was very clever. And I guess this is a spoiler. Right. That he's basically on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. He's reminiscing over his life right. with Elvis and uh, from his deathbed. And it, and it's really clever how they, they did that. It's done well. And it's kind of a recurring theme is that um, the Colonel talks about how he made Elvis. He made Elvis. I made Elvis. I did this. Right. You know? And right. it's uh, in the movie every now and then he'll get Elvis excited and said, this is your brainchild, you know, whether Elvis was working on a show or whatever it was just to keep things right. Some people have a love-hate relationship with the Colonel. Some either love him or hate him. What I think is that he was a manager, promoter, probably more than anything, but he really was smart. Yeah, he's like 50%, but hey, I don't know if Elvis really had the right entertainment lawyers, you know? I mean, there's that too. So we, we don't know, you don't know really what happened, you know? And I, I think early on, he was beneficial mm-hmm. to Elvis's career, to the army. Right. <laughs> after that, I, I wish Elvis would have found somebody else. But Yeah. You know. and, and yeah, had, had he fired him after the army in 1960, plenty of people would have been knocking on Elvis's door. Oh, too. heck yeah. You I know, don't see. But I think he was a, a great promoter. He was also a great manipulator. And sure. I think that's... The, the movie shows that yeah and uh you know it's hollywood I, you know sometimes you don't know what okay what happened what right really didn't happen but mm-hmm. i think overall though it's i think it's probably you had a kind of a i don't like the word simple uh but uh maybe a, con- a country boy who wasn't steeped in business at all exactly. he, he cared about singing yeah making music and then you have a guy who didn't care about music whatsoever yeah. he cared about making a buck and right. that's the story of those two mm-hmm. uh those two elements coming together and the problems yeah, and and no, no, no matter how elvis felt uh physically he made sure nothing else matters except for my boy getting on stage tonight that's all that matters you know yeah it was not a lot of i don't know how to put it not a lot of heart there it's all about no, the business no. No, not a lot of heart but there's parts in the movie where Elvis and the Colonel have sort of a father-son relationship and right. kind of a shoulder to cry on. At least in Elvis's eyes. In his eyes, yeah. And yeah. from what I've read, Elvis liked the Colonel. It was a business relationship, but I mean, I think they liked each other, even though Elvis- On a handshake though, right? Um, from what I understand, it was a handshake. That's how they, um, that yeah. was their contract, yeah. the old school way. Mm-hmm. The Colonel says, uh, I made Elvis, we'll make another one. And mm-hmm. he couldn't do that. No, he, you know, he, he really couldn't. And uh, I, I know we said there would be some spoilers, but there's one thing I, I don't want to mention. I want for the very end of the movie, everybody just, there's just a nice little surprise at the very end of the there movie. Is. And it's, yeah. it's touching, it's moving. 
go see this movie. If if you're a fan, if you're not a fan, do yourself a favor. It's it's entertaining, if anything, if you don't know anything about Elvis. Yeah, you know, if you don't like go to the movies alone or grab a friend who's not a fan or maybe right. they'll become one. Uh, I can see that happening. Oh, I, I can too. And with, with the soundtrack coming out, it's got a lot of modern music that is really done quite well. You know, we I bought it. I guess the day that the movie came out. Just, yeah, my wife downloaded it last yeah. night, right? It's good. It's good. There's some surprises on there. And uh, yeah. Well, and there's there's some Elvis. Elvis is actually on it, you know. Yeah, the, Elvis is on it. It's really good. Uh, a lot of guest stars, you might say. Right. Uh, right. But uh, different takes on different songs. You being the musician, I was picking your brain uh-huh. about Summer Kisses, Winter Tears yeah. mashed up with I Got a Feeling in My Body. And right. You, you, you told me how it was just just mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's neat because those it was per, the, the key that that song is in was perfect for both of those songs to become a mashup. It was just what they did with it was incredible. It's really yes. get the soundtrack. Yeah, get the soundtrack. It's, it was number one on Amazon, wasn't it? Number one soundtrack on Amazon. It's thirty six tracks. Thirty six tracks. That's it's a fun listen. And like the movie. Long, a long, a long album, but it goes by quickly because it's so fun and exciting. You can drink a lot of margaritas and beer during that album. You can. We we know a couple people who did that. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and, it's, uh, um, I think they're hurting today. I, uh, I think so too. I think. Are we are we out of beer? I drank water and milk. Of course. Well, you're from the Midwest. That's well. That's yeah. you know meat and potatoes. Sure. That's what it's all about. That's all you as far need. as I'm concerned. But um, speaking of the soundtrack, we're really excited about our guest today. We are, and you have a very special relationship with this guy. But I've known him maybe 20 years. Yeah. You've known him twice that long. Right. I have. grew up with him. Okay, we are here today with Joe Fick. Joe is my best friend. I've known him for 40 years. Uh, we go way back. Uh, we were five when we met, and we ended up in the music business together. We were in a band called The Dempseys. We played for years. We were lucky enough to be in uh, the movie Walk the Line as the Blue Moon Boys, which was Elvis's band. We got to play with a lot of our heroes. Joe is now in Nashville, Tennessee, where he plays upright bass professionally all over. Not only is he a great friend, but if you saw the Elvis movie, he is also on the soundtrack. So we're going to ask Joe about that process and how it was. That is so cool. I think you're right about that. Yeah, Joe, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And I just want to say congratulations to both of you, Mark and Brad, because I've pretty much listened to all of your uh, episodes on the podcast. And I, I love Memphis Flash podcast. It pops up, but uh, it's one of the first podcasts on my on my Spotify list. And um, whenever the new episode's out, uh, I'm always there to listen. So congrats to you two. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you listen to this one. <laughs> yeah i don't if i can if i can stomach listening to my own voice i will yeah <laughs> well, tell us when you started the recording process for the movie soundtrack and, and, and what songs you did i got an email from a guy named elliot wheeler i believe his name is and he's the guy that was in charge of most of the music uh in the soundtrack for the movie and he had just said that um, they were looking to make a movie about elvis and you know would i be interested in working with dave cobb who's a big producer here in Nashville. He's kind of become the kind of go-to guy. I think his uh, outing was with Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson. I think it's kind of how he got his his name out. He really got, got those guys going with their careers. And so he's kind of the, the go-to guy now as a producer in Nashville. Anyway, these sessions were uh, in June of 2019. I really didn't know anything about it. I, I was told, and I really I remember emailing Mark about this, 
I was told to learn these particular Elvis songs pretty much as close as I could get them, note for note. And I remember talking to you about that too, Brad. I literally went and I think the songs they gave me at the time were That's All Right Mama, Baby Let's Play House, Hound Dog, you know, all the early, all the early Elvis stuff. I went and I pretty much charted out everything as as close as I could. A lot of those early recordings are are really hard to to get perfect because the recording technology back then isn't the way it is now. But pretty much charted out everything as close as I could. Um, when I got to the actual session, it was a little bit looser than I thought it was going to be. So I was kind of relieved, actually. So what it was, the first session in June of 19 was kind of just to see if all of us musicians would fit together, you know, and how it would all come together. There was a guy by the name of Jake Rowley, Rowley, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I think he's an Elvis tribute artist from Beaumont, Texas. He was kind of providing the voice of Elvis. Baz Lorman was there with him and Elliot Wheeler was there with him. And we were just kind of trying to get a, a feel on a lot of these songs. There were a lot of ideas kind of floating around with what we would do and what the vibe of the movie was going to be. And J.D. Simon was also there and Brad, of course, you know J.D. Simo because from the Don Kelly band and from his solo uh, solo career now, of course, J.D. was there. And so I thought, well, what a great what a great fit for guitar, because, you know, not only did J.D. grow up listening to Elvis, but, you know, he he knows all about Scotty Moore. He knows all about Reggie Young. He knows all about uh, James Burton. So there's a pretty good fit for somebody that was going to do the guitar parts for the 20 year career that Elvis had. Yeah. So anyway, it was, we were definitely in good company. It was people, you know, people that knew a lot about the music and Dave Cobb as the producer, you know, his whole thing is trying to capture a vibe more than trying to capture perfection on tape. So he's very much into doing things live, you know, a lot like Elvis was, you know, trying to just get the, the feel of it. And if somebody maybe flubbed a note, well, that wasn't as big of a deal as just capturing the right feel. So those early sessions were really cool, but I was also just kind of in the dark about the whole thing still, because there was a lot of, you know, there were, there, they were pretty guarded about the whole idea of the movie and what it was going to be. And, and I don't even think that Austin Butler had had the part yet. They were still saying, Oh, we're not sure who's going to play Elvis at this point. So flash forward to another, I guess, three months later, I get the call to do the master sessions, which are the, what you heard on the movie. And this would have been in, I think, late September or early October of 2019. We did it in two days. We did the songs that you hear on the movie, Baby Let's Play House, Hound Dog, Trouble. And then uh, there's that Sister Rosetta Tharp song, Strange Things Are Happening Every Day or something like that. That was the lead up song that they had when Elvis kind of had his uh, his first comeback after the yeah. um, Steve Allen show right. with the dog and all that, right? So those are the four songs that I played on. There were others that we did in the session that didn't make the movie. I do remember us doing a, a version of Heartbreak Hotel. And I think we did a version of Blue Suede Shoes. I think we also did a couple of the tunes that Elvis demoed really early on. Like, that's when your heartaches begin. And I want to say I love you because. Wow. But Dale, it took you two days to, to, to record yeah, we we went pretty quick. And I think the main reason was because we had had that session in June of 19. It was kind of, I guess it was kind of like exploratory surgery, if you will, is to figure out if this is going to work, if these musicians are the right guys for the job, you know, let's go in and see what's going on. Uh, and, and it really seemed to gel well. So when we went to do the master sessions, they went pretty quick. And you did it all live, didn't you? Did it yeah. Recording? 
That's cool. Uh, one, one of the cool stories I, I, I remember, because everybody's always like, well, what, is it, what was it like to work with Dave Cobb? Because he's kind of known as the as more of, like in Nashville, everything is always kind of so perfect and slick. And he is sort of, in the last 10 years, kind of changed a lot of that. And I think that's why a lot of people like to work with him. One day, I think we were trying to get the vibe on Heartbreak Hotel. We were we were trying to basically recreate the the, the RCA 56 version of it. And we we just weren't getting it right. There was something about, you know, the song's a, a laid back blues tune, but it is actually kind of, it kind of moves, you know, it's a little bit quicker than you think it is. And we couldn't get the vibe right on it. So he, he stopped the session. He comes out and he says, look, guys, this is what we got to do. And he pulls out a tequila bottle and he pours everybody a shot of tequila. He's like, <laughs> just relax. He goes, we're all going to do a shot together. This is supposed to be fun. We're not, don't, you know, don't overthink this. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that kind of translates into what Elvis was all about anyway. Right. Which was just trying to capture the right vibe versus everything's got to be technically correct. And that, that did the trick, the, the shot helped. Uh, I, I think so. I, <laughs> you remember? It sounds you remember? like you played all the right notes. So I think, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Joe, the, uh, the day after the movie came out, Mark had looked at Amazon and the soundtrack was never, that's number one soundtrack. Number one soundtrack. The day after oh, the movie. that's pretty cool. And, and it's great. Y'all get it. See the movie, get the soundtrack and you can hear Joe Fick on it. Slapping mm. the fire on that base. And your name's in the credits. Yes, it is. Stay for the end of Joe's Joe's credited in the movie and everything. It's really cool because we know yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I breathed a sigh of relief when I, when I saw the credit because, you know, in Nashville, you just never know. <laughs> you just never know. I think they call it, I think they actually have a term for it being Nashville, which means <laughs> you get called to a recording session and you think you did a great job. And then, you know, the record comes out a couple months later and you're like, well, that doesn't sound like me. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, we we uh, we got so and so to play. But hey, th- but thanks for coming down. anyway. <laughs> Here's your parting gift. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, yeah. <laughs> you didn't get Nashville. We're happy for that. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm very happy about that. Uh, you know, that was three years ago. Was it? What, what was that like waiting for? Was it not that big a deal to wait this long? Or I mean, we had COVID. We had all this. Or were you kind of like, gosh, I can't wait for this to get out? I I knew that uh, when Tom Hanks got, he was like the first like star that got COVID. I was like, oh boy, this could be, this could be a really long, long wait. But at the same time, I, I wasn't really sure how grand this whole movie was going to be. I wasn't, you know, when you, when you do these things, you're like, is this going to be like a made for TV thing? Or is this going to be, you know, so you're, you're kind of in the dark about this. And, and there was also like, we signed kind of a confidentiality agreement. Yeah. And so I, I didn't really know, well, maybe this is going to be a big deal. You know, I didn't realize how big of a deal this was going to be probably until, you know, probably until the trailer came out really the yeah. first one. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite the trailer. What was your impression of, you know, you're in the studio with Austin Butler and Baz Luhrmann. You know, were impressions made at that time? Like, well, this guy can sing pretty good or this Baz, he's kind of an interesting character. Yeah, that's a good question. I, once I looked back at his film history and I remember seeing Romeo and Juliet in the theater and, and being like, wow, this is a really interesting take on a classic. I I realized this probably won't be your your typical biopic or documentary style movie where everything is perfectly in order. But I think, you know, I've talked to Brad about this. I said, I think that's exactly what 
this needs. I think this needs a new, a new spin on it. I don't think this needs to be perfectly uh, in sync with the timeline of Elvis's life. I think that if you are going to do a movie about Elvis, I mean, let's face it, the story has been told a million times Mm -hmm. about Elvis and and anybody that's a true fan, you know, they know all of the ins and outs, but I think this was a really interesting take on it. And it had, it had an artistic take on it. It had comedy, it had tragedy. This was the perfect way in, in 2022 to tell this story and also to not rebrand, but to possibly get a, a brand new audience, you know, because you know, people that are seeing this, that are teenagers or in their 20s that maybe don't even know who Elvis is or don't even know the importance of Elvis on 60 years of music are finding out now. And if it takes kind of a creative spin on it, then that's what it takes. I remember seeing Amadeus in the theater in 1984 that like was a new spin on, you know, Mozart's career, if you will. That was a serious artistic liberty that they took with that story. You know, a lot of that didn't even happen, but it was such an interesting take. And and I think that's what's happening here. Um, as for Austin Butler, the first time I met him, uh, he, he was very humble, very almost kind of shy about the whole thing. You could tell that he 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 was like, oh, man, I think I've stepped into some almost impossible shoes to fill. But he did fantastic. And in the studio, it just, you know, I wasn't wasn't really paying attention to him as much as I'm just trying not to screw this up for him. You know what I mean? Uh, Dave Cobb's whole thing is the vocal is the most important thing. So let's try to capture that. So you're trying not to mess up your part. So it's really cool to see how the whole thing came together years later and to see that he just absolutely nailed it. He really yeah, did. Yeah, he did. He, I bet he was set at ease knowing he was in Nashville with top-notch Nashville musicians because he knew that you guys were the foundation. Do you think that that helped him um, relax a little bit when he knew he had you guys playing with them? That's a really good question because actually what we did a little bit and Baz Lorman kind of had us do this. He had us kind of play act a little bit in the studio. Like we would talk to Austin kind of like we were Scotty, Bill, like we were all just hanging out and having a good time. Like we were at Sun Studio and just shoot the breeze. And so we would, and, and it was a little unnatural at first. It was like, well, what do you want us to do? You know, yeah. because, you know, usually at a recording session, you just go in and do your thing. But he, we were really trying to kind of get that vibe of like, what would these musicians in the mid fifties in their early to mid twenties be talking about? We tried to do a little bit of that. And I think a lot of that was just to set Austin's mind at ease, probably because if I've read correctly, he's never even really sang or played in his life. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we were, I think that was trying to put him at ease, but also trying to just set the, set the vibe for the session. That's really cool. I, yeah, I, that's, I'm glad, that's, I'm glad we asked that. That's yeah, really too. Neat. Method, how it works. You got some method acting in there, I think. Right. I remember one thing I remember, it was really cool. And I've always kind of thought this about the early Elvis stuff was Baz Luhrmann was kind of kept reinforcing the idea that, especially with things like Babyless Playhouse, he's like, this is, this is punk rock. This is, Elvis is so cutting edge. We we have to capture that energy, you know, without breaking, you know, the feel of the 50s and without doing anything that's going to be obviously out of context. But, you know, if you look at that Baby Let's Play house scene, I think that's kind of what he was even three years ago envisioning in his head. But uh, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I was a little skeptical when I heard, oh, there's going to be some like kind of modern 
music added to the movie, but the way he cut it together, I mean, it, it was perfect. I thought it was too. I thought it was really done yeah. well. I mean, we all saw the movie, you know, and we saw it the same day you saw it in Nashville. We saw it later here in Memphis. We're going again. I, we have, I'm going to see Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I am too. Yeah, there were so many moments where it was goosebumps and and uh, I got choked up two or three times. I mean, it's, it's hard not to. Anybody, that's, you don't even have to be an Elvis fan to, yeah. to kind of be taken on this emotional roller coaster. Right. And I, I think the movie will open up new doors for people to discover who this guy was. Like, you know, just I think Baz was uh, in an interview uh, and he was explaining how, you know, to show that Elvis isn't just a Halloween costume. You know, some people, the way that they I love the way it, he put that. Yeah, yeah. they don't understand. Yeah. It shows that Elvis is human. Yeah, he was a rock star. But you're right. Like, if you're not a fan and never heard of him, watch the movie. I think it's going to do a lot for, not to say Elvis's career, but like a, a new generation. Well, I think it'll pique their interest. And, yeah, they'll buy some records. And maybe the people, uh, like on the soundtrack, they're they're hearing people they like. And yeah. They're, they're Apparently into Elvis. Well, what, let me check him out. Let me go to YouTube or whatever and, and listen to this guy. See what the real guy's like. Well, as long as I've known Joe, I got to tell you, I never thought that he would be on the same soundtrack as Eminem ever. Never thought that. <laughs> and there it is. There it is. I mean, wow. It's a dream come true. <laughs> well, we're, again, congratulations. Yeah. We're, we're proud of you, man. That's, that's so cool. Hey, stay right there. We'll be back in a flash. Well, Brad, I know you like to shop like a king and dress like a rock star. I sure do, Mark. And when I do, I go to Lansky Brothers Clothing at the historic Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. They've had an iconic style since 1946. This is where Elvis Presley shopped, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and the list goes on. Oh, it goes on today. There's rock stars still shopping there. Brad, you don't have to be a rock star to shop at Lansky's. You'll look like one if you do. But Yes, you will. The clothes are so great i don't dress real flashy and i've gotten quite a few things even shoes at lansky's my wife and i would like to go to lansky's in the peabody and then we like to go get a drink and sit there in the atrium and people watch it's just that's a nice outing it know? is i mean and those shoes you have do they have to be blue and suede by chance they are they are blue suede shoes from mr lansky you know i bought a winter coat there a light jacket even handkerchiefs and uh, they've got that cologne, uh, Linnell cologne. They do. I've had that. It's gone. I went through a bottle in about a year. But hey, the cologne. <laughs> That's what Elvis stuff. wore. That's what Elvis wore, man. And you, you got, got to. Lansky's and you can too. It's a cool place to go. It sure is, Mark. Make sure if you're in Memphis, you go to Lansky Brothers at the Peabody Hotel on Union Avenue. If you're not, go to www.lanskybrothers.com. Shop like a king, dress like a rock star. Iconic style since 1946. And now, back to the show. This is Slick Joe Fick, and you're listening to Memphis Flash. Can you tell us where you're playing these days in Nashville so people can come check you out? I play Wednesday through Saturday at Roberts Western World with a band called Kelly's Heroes, which is basically Don Kelly's old band. As you know, Brad, Don played at Roberts four or five nights a week for, for almost 25 years, and he just retired recently. It's just basically the same group. It's just now it's instead of a quartet, it's a trio. So we play there 6.30 to 10, Wednesday through Saturdays, and um, we do everything from Elvis to Merle Haggard to Farron Young to some bluegrass, kind of typical kind of Texas roadhouse kind of band, a lot mm -hmm. of country music. Also play at Layla's uh, with the Eskimo Brothers on Tuesdays and then Nashville Crossroads on Sundays uh, from four to eight. So you can find me pretty much every day, but Monday on Lower Broadway here in Nashville. 
You're, you're also a teacher, I understand, a teacher of the bass. Tell us about that. Uh, right around the same time, actually, that we did the master sessions for the Elvis soundtrack in 2019, I was approached by a company out of England called Discover Double Bass. And it's ran by a guy named Jeff Chalmers, uh, who's an upright bass player. And he has basically has a curriculum course that you can buy online, any style of upright bass. He didn't have a slap bass course, so he reached out to me and said, you know, would you like to uh, do a course on slap bass? And I was, I thought that was, this would be great. I thought long and hard about it because there are other instructional videos and courses out online. And so I wanted to put together a course that basically would be anywhere from beginner all the way to you know, advanced, like soloing technique and everything kind of in between all the stuff that I think is super important about slap bass. So I wanted to make it historic in that, you know, it starts kind of in the teens and twenties and goes all the way up to the fifties and sixties. It's a very exciting course. If anybody's interested out there, it's discovered double bass and there's almost four hours of material on there. I'm really happy with the way it turned out. I know my wife's happy that it's over because for <laughs> about six months, I, I had my whole wall in my living room was like, I had all these cue cards taped to the wall. Is it discoverdoublebase.com? It is discoverdoublebase.com. Yeah. And they're also, they have Instagram and they're on Facebook as well. Do they look for your name? Joe Fick? Slick Joe Fick. Slick Joe Fick. Okay, good. We'll make yes, sure. it's called, uh, the course is called Slap That Bass. Oh, hey, good. Hey, well, there you yeah. go. That's, that's yeah. what you do. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah, right. Sounds like a great course. Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for being our guest today. And uh, again, everyone, go see the Elvis movie. Our guest, Joe Fick, has a few songs on the soundtrack with the band. And uh, he also has this bass lesson you can get online. And uh, he's in Nashville on Broadway playing six nights a week. Right. He, he does is a great a, job. A great stand-up bass player. For a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a kid. Very, very young and yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Joe. Brad, you have you had a really interesting experience when the uh, premiere of Elvis, the movie, came to Memphis. You you got to do something really cool, didn't you? I did. It was uh, I was asked to perform in the backyard of Graceland. I'm not joking. This actually happened for the uh, folks at Warner Brothers. So. The director was there, Lisa Marie Presley, um, Priscilla Presley, uh, the cast, Austin Butler, they were all there. We got to perform for these folks, um, just Memphis music, you know, some of the Elvis stuff, the Rock and Billy, and Tom Hanks was there. We actually spoke with him a little bit. What Very nice guy. What did he have to say? He enjoyed the he enjoyed the show. He just having a good time. That's so cool. Yeah, he was he was great. And you know what, man? I you know how I knew Tom Hanks was there? I couldn't see at one point because it was getting darker, and I heard his voice. His voice is unmistakable. <laughs> I'm like, he's here. It's kind of neat. It probably right. maybe maybe that was what it was like when Elvis was having a little get together. You know, and it was. It was what's neat for me is that, see, I I'm from the Northwest originally. And as a child, we did a family trip to Graceland in about 1984. And at that time where the carports are now there, they used to have the cars in the carport and you could get a picture in the pink Jeep from Blue Hawaii. Yep. Was it the Blue Hawaii Jeep? Is that, or I think it wasn't the Blue Hawaii, but that's just like it, just like it, if I remember right. And I think you, you got a picture there too, right? After uh, Graceland opened. Yeah. My mom, of course, was a big fan and we we were here that June that that opened and uh, we have pictures in that Jeep too. It was neat because here I am now, 
across from where the Jeep used to be, I'm looking over there near the jungle room. I'm playing and I'm thinking to myself, it all came full circle. I visited here as a child. Here I'm entertaining these folks and now living in Memphis, you know, um, making a living playing the music I love. That is really, that, is... that Elvis inspired me to do so. So that was a fun day. I, I'll, some gigs are forgettable. That one is not. That's a keeper. So it was, it was great. I, I'm lucky to be able to do that. I'm just, uh, thank, thank you for asking me, everybody. Oh, no, that's so, so cool. That was great. That's a really cool experience. I'm really happy for you too. Yeah, it was cool, man. I wish you could have been there, but it, it was private, Mark. So. Uh, well, I noticed I didn't get a call till afterwards. Yeah, I, yeah, you're you're right about was that. Was my line busy? Or well, yeah, or, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was told to be quiet about it. But, you know, be, a damn party know, line. So. You know, Mrs. Schwartz up the street there. She she gets on there. I can't get her off. I bet that's when you called. Who's Mrs. Schwartz? <laughs> She's on her party line. I, oh, I don't care line? for the they woman. They still have party I line. I don't really that's care. That's a thing, huh? They still have. Party I'm from line? Iowa. We're uh, you know it takes time. For oh, me. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This was a pleasure having Select Joe Fick on the show today. And um, this is also our 10th episode. Man, that's that's hard to believe. It's so fun. Damn, it goes by quick. It's not even fun. work, is it? It's not work, not at all. Yeah. Well, my wife does all the work. Yeah, she, <laughs> well, she work. gets the credit. Yeah. <laughs> she makes it easy. She does. She makes it sound good. She makes us talk pretty. I can safely say two thumbs up for this movie from Memphis Flash podcast, right? Yep. Two thumbs up for me. Two thumbs go, up. Go me. see it. And when you do, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, how can they reach us, Bradley? Email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can go to uh, Facebook and uh, search Memphis Flash podcast. Go see it. Enjoy it. It's uh, good to be an Elvis fan. Until then, we'll catch you on, on the, the flip, flip side. side. Memphis Flash is written and produced by Brad Burkadall, Mark Schaefer, and Anna Burkadall. Original music written and performed by Brad Burkadall. Don't forget to visit Memphis Flash Podcast on Facebook and Instagram for special content related to this and other episodes. Have a topic you'd like us to cover or just want to say hi? Email us at memphisflashpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.